Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the show with Ahmed and Saeed. Saeed, how you doing? Assalamu alaikum. I'm good, man. Good to be here. Thanks for joining us. So we're going to fight today or what? Yeah, let's take the gloves off. Duke it out. This is like all, all that tension for the, for the last few episodes is finally building up and we're just going to tell each other how much we dislike each other. <laughs> People actually get to hear it this time on uh, on the record. Yeah, we do a lot of fighting off air that you don't get to hear. <laughs> yeah. We but try, this is try to keep it civil when the, when the mic is on. Yeah, but gloves are off this time. This topic, Ahmed and I genu- genuinely disagree with what's the right way to do this. Yeah, we have a philosophical disagreement on budgeting. Yeah, and uh, he's wrong. So even the title, "How to Build a Budget That Works," I uh, think you beg to differ, don't you? <laughs> don't know if there is one, but yeah, let's let's get in it. Okay, so do you want to make your opening remarks, or should I? I will let you go first. Here's my premise. I don't think you can make intelligent decisions about how you spend your money if you don't know how you spend your money. Okay. I think there's a gap between how people think they spend and how they actually spend. Sure. That premise I'll agree with. And the only way to bridge that gap is to make a very honest assessment of where your money is actually going compared to where it should be going. Uh Uh-huh. And you've come to this conclusion based on your experience as? Oh, you're going to throw that in my face? I will. Okay, yeah, I used to be an accountant. What does that have to do with anything? It has to do with the way you think. They don't tell me I think like an accountant because that that I take personally. (laughs) In this topic, bro. So the conclusion of your argument is that in order for you to gain an understanding of where your money is actually going is by tracking every dollar that you spend. Okay, fine. I'm going to embrace I'm going to embrace the accountant side of my persona. Oh, wow. Right. That's you know, to say that you don't need a budget is like to, is like saying that if you run a business that you shouldn't look at your financial statements. <laughs> it's not relevant to your business. Okay, fair enough. In the ideal world, I'll give you that. In the ideal world, people would not be emotional about their spending. They would spend only on stuff that they needed, and they would have thousands of dollars left over every month. That would be great, but we wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> we wouldn't have a podcast. The personal financial industry would die. Everybody would be better for it, but that's practically speaking not how it goes. So my only issue with your line of thinking, Ahmed, is the practicality of it. I agree with you that you've got the ultimate mindset, track every dollar that you spend. That way you're honest with yourself and you're giving an honest assessment of where you are. But that very idea of having to do that The idea of the topic of budgeting is boring people to death right now. They are dying in their cars. They've already already stopped listening. (laughs) They saw the title of this podcast and they're like, nope. Yeah, we're we're talking to ourselves right now. Just you and me. (laughs) And because of that, because when people think about budgeting, they think about this tedious, meticulous, double entry bookkeeping, you know, balancing your checkbook, you know, the way, you know, old school people would do it. Because they think about this laborious process, they don't do it, and it never gets done. Well, okay. Well, the good news is I don't think it has to be as laborious as you just made it sound. Okay, but before we get into that, let's. I think we can agree on, on something here. I think we can agree that you have to make some kind of assessment 
of where your money is going in order to change your spending habits. I'll give you even one more than that. I'll say that you have to at least once do a budget. Oh, wow. That's so generous of you. <laughs> once. And if you hate it, if it was like pulling teeth, don't do it again. I'll give you other ways to actually track your spending. But once, and after you listen to this, I want you to try and do this. Take a look at where you think you're spending your money. So if, you're, if I asked you, all right, you know, what do you spend in a month? Write it all down off the top of your head. Put it down on paper. If you make $5,000 a month, I bet you'll probably only be able to account for 50, maybe 70% of the money that, actually, that you actually spend just by calling it off the top of your head. Then I want you to actually do a budget based on your last month's expenses. So go back last month, go to all back to back all your statements, debit cards, bank cards, um, credit cards, everything, and add up what you actually spent in the different categories of a traditional budget spreadsheet. There will be a very, very big difference between where you think you spend your money and how much you think you spend and how much you actually spend. And, and there's a very useful rule of thumb that I, I love using. And it's a rule of thumb. It's not a hard and fast rule. So you need to take it and, and decide what it means to you. It just but, gives you a benchmark to see where your major problems are. And it's called the 50-30-20 rule. That sounds like a boring title, but sure. Yeah, maybe there's something better to call it, but but that's what I that's what I remember it as. Yeah. And what it states is that you should be spending no more than fifty percent of your after tax income. So this is after paying the government. No more than fifty percent of your income should go towards necessities. And necessities means actual necessities, not things that you think are necessary, but things that are actually necessary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Things like shelter things like food, things like transportation. Yeah. I mean, may or may, for most people, I think it's necessary, but you could argue that it's not. If you live in like a city with, you know, public transportation, maybe you don't need a car. So, you know, details are for you to figure out, but whatever's actually necessary for you to live and breathe and function. Right. You should be spending no more than 50% of your money on those things. Okay. I'm with you so far. 30% of your money you can then spend on the discretionary things. So everything that's beyond a necessity, wants, desires, luxuries, you know, whatever it is. In Saeed's case, it's, you know, what is it? A new video game every month. You got it. Or M a month. Who can wait that long? Yeah. I don't know. What else do you spend your money on? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, too, you're boring with money. Like I've got all kinds of stuff that I can talk about. <laughs> You've just got video games. Yeah, it's true. I don't really don't spend much money on like discretionary stuff outside of that and like electronics every once in a while. Yeah. So there's my, your, that, that's your 30%. My car guy has died. My inner car guy has died, unfortunately. He'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> and then 20% of your after-tax income goes towards those big, important goals. You're saving, you're investing, your future, basically. The big rocks that we talked about before. The big rocks. And you know when we talked about paying yourself first in the past, that's where you're paying yourself first. 20% is a good number to shoot for. More is better, but 20% is a good number. If you're there, you can be, you can be happy with yourself. Okay, so since we brought that up, Ahmed, if I was doing paying, my, if I was paying myself first and doing that savings and investing, and you know all that's happening, why do I need to budget? Can I just stop there and say, all right, all the money that I need to save and invest and pay down debt is already being taken care of automatically every time I get paid? Why do I need to budget? It's a good question. If we were talking about you know ancient Babylon, like in in the last episode, the story that we told. Uh, where, you know, credit cards didn't exist, lines of credit didn't exist, debt really was not all that, I'm sure it existed, but it wasn't all that common. Right. 
then you could probably stop right there. Pay yourself first. And, you know, your housing and those kind of big fixed costs get paid as well. And whatever money you're left over with is what you have to spend. And when it runs out, it runs out. Yeah. But today you could do go go ahead and do that paying yourself first and then just use your credit card all month. And at the end of the month, you realize you're in debt by 500 bucks because you didn't adjust your spending to account for all that savings and good stuff that you were doing. So it still matters to have this. And really, in the beginning, this very first budget that I want you to do Really what we want to do here is we want to get some broad understanding of where your money goes. Measure it up to this 50-30-20 rule. So if you're spending like 70% of your take-home pay on just your housing expenses, there are some major problems with your fixed expenses and your necessities. And maybe we need to reevaluate some big things. And your problem in your budget, if that's your case, is not coffee in the morning. That's not where your money's going. And that's not how you're not getting ahead. If you're spending 70% on the basic necessities or on housing alone, that's why you're not getting ahead. So that's why this 50-30-20 is good. It gives you this broad, in, in broad strokes, an idea of where you should be focusing your time. Most often, where people are spending too much money is either in the necessities by spending too much on housing and cars, or the 30, where the, the non-necessities, the discretionary spending, where we don't keep track of it and we just blow it too easily. So those usually, this ratio generally gives you an idea of where you should be spending your time. And it's a goal too, right? I think before we get into the nuts and bolts of budgeting, I think it's important to note that this is, this is a goal. You might not be there today and don't, don't feel bad about yourself, but, but try to make progress. So if you run the numbers and you find that you're spending 60% of your income on necessities, then you know, don't feel bad about yourself, but start making some adjustments. Maybe right now you can only afford to put away 10% towards your savings goals. Whoa, 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 what? No, 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 no. Maybe right now you can only spend 20% on stuff that you want. That 20% to savings, come hell or high water, that better be going there. Well, I, no, I agree with you that in the end, <laughs> that discretionary spending should take the first hit, but maybe right now you can't put away 20%. Right. So then put away 10, but work your way up to 20 and just to be clear, putting away 20% can either be 20% goes towards your investments or if you're in debt to going towards your debt to rapidly, consistently pay that off. Yes, exactly. So if you are in debt, that should be the first priority. And if you don't have debt, then towards your savings and investment goals. Yeah. So we're going to get into three different ways that you can track your spending and manage your expenses. The first one is Ahmed's version. So you can skip forward a couple minutes because it's useless. Oh, yeah. Now, now you're going to discount this as like the, <laughs> the bean counters or the account, the nerds method to budgeting, right? Put on your green hats, those see-through green hats and, you know, get your little uh, pocket protector out. So I'm going to argue this is actually the easiest method, whether you're a nerd or not. Whoa. Okay, yeah, let's hear this why. one. So, so this is called the track everything method. Yeah, because that sounds easy right there. Well, I'll tell you why it's easy in a minute. So what they used to recommend is that you literally buy an empty notebook at the beginning of the month. And every time you spend a dollar, you write down how much you spent and what you spent it on. And then at the end of the week and finally at the end of the month, you add up all your expenses, everything you spent money on, and you categorize them to, to see where your money's going. Yeah, and you line it up with what you earned for that month. So you want to make sure that the money that you spent equals the money that you earned plus, you know, some savings or some money put oh, put put into different various accounts. I have clients that are in their 70s and this is what they do because that's what they were taught back in the depression days and they continue to do it. I know you're not going to do that. I would never do it and I won't fault you for it. The good news is it's much easier today with technology. There yes. are 
software tools that you can use, websites that you can use that actually do this for you. Uh, in most cases, it should be pretty easy to find one that connects directly to your bank accounts, connects directly to your, your, your credit card bill, uh, uh, accounts, and brings all of your transactions into one place and categorizes them for you into you know predetermined budget categories that you can then customize. And I'll mention a couple of them uh, in a minute, but, but what that does is that allows you to track everything in one place automatically without you having to do it yourself manually and and by the way you know in no way do we endorse this to say that we take any legal liability or responsibility for the services some people like them some people don't like them they do exist and i think they're worth mentioning and and that there's actually a lot of them so we're going to mention two but there's many and and maybe you find a better one or one that you you like better or more comfortable with and that's fine uh, mint.com is a very popular one and one that yeah. i've used personally and i can you know, I can vouch for that it's a, it's a useful tool. But we're not vouching for it legally. Yeah, we're just yeah, saying that we... Yeah. You're so cautious. <laughs> Who's going to sue us? <laughs> and the other one is... Watch, you know, the day after this episode goes out, Mint gets hacked. <laughs> That'll be just our luck. Yeah. But no, Mint is, Mint is good. I do like it. I have recommended it before to people who want to track what their spending is going. And like Ahmed said, for this one, it connects to all your accounts and it, it tracks everything that you spend automatically. So if you've gone to the gas station and spent 60 bucks, it's going to track that and update. So it'll say it'll pull from your bank that $60 was spent. And because it was spent at a gas station, it'll automatically categorize it as a fuel automotive expense. So all that categorization is done. And then you can set limits. So if you're, you know, if you're a coffee addict and you want to control how much coffee you spend or how much you go out to eat on restaurants, you can set budgets for restaurants and budgets for fast food. And it knows, right? If you spent $10 at McDonald's, that's going to be in the fast food category. And if you go past the budget, the limit that you've set for the month, it'll email you right away and say, yo, buddy, slow down. Yeah, we, we could do an entire episode or an entire tutorial on mint.com because there's 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 a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. Yeah. Um, but suffice to say that it's it's a tool, right? The, there's some potential there if you use it properly, but you can quite easily ignore it as well if you wanted to. And, and very, be easy. very useful to you. Very easy to delete those emails. The other tool is you need a budget, uh, ynab.com. I haven't personally used it, but Saeed and I have both. You know, we've been through their website. They have a lot of good resources, a lot of good material on the topic of personal finance, which we encourage people to take a look at. Yeah, and we link to a lot of it on our Facebook and Twitter. So hit us up if you haven't linked to us already or liked us or followed us already. But they do have a lot of good articles and information. They're a software company that builds this budgeting software where you, uh, they make it as easy as possible for you to track your spending. So rather than, as far as I understand the way it works, rather than it automatically knowing that you went to the gas station, the discipline is once you spend money, Every time you pull out your wallet, you pull out your phone and you load that app and you just say 60 bucks gas, done. And then it tracks things live that way through your manual entering of it. The good thing is there's no connection directly to your banks. So there is no security risk there. The downside is that it does require a little bit of manual input. But Are you, you sure about that? I don't know. I, from what I've seen, from what I've read, that's I think that's how it works. I could be wrong. If it works like Mint, then great. I know it can be done manually. So maybe you have a choice of linking it and not linking it. I don't know. But either way, the point is it does get you the ability one way or the other to track things live, that you're not doing this at the end of the month where it's a, a mountain of stuff. Uh, and furthermore, the good thing about YNAB that Ahmed and I like is that they're they're really good when it comes to budgeting methodology and the science of it and the psychology behind budgeting. So you'll be seeing a lot of their stuff on our feeds. 
Well, the only thing I would add to that is is I think automatic tracking is a necessity to do this method because I don't think you're going to write everything down and I don't think you're going to put it into an app. So I, I, yeah. I don't think, I'm not sure if YNAB automatically connects to your account or not, but if it doesn't, then I would go with Mint because I think that's the <laughs> only way this is realistically actually going to happen. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So you could do that or you could get real. Most people aren't budgeting. We know that, right? So what's one way that we can get, what are some ways that we can get people? So I ask this question a lot when I do the research on this. For my clients, you know, whether they're making $80,000 a year or $800,000 a year, everybody struggles with how much they spend. You'll be surprised. People who are, you know, in the top 1% or 0.1% of income earners, they still have cash flow problems and debt problems. You'd be surprised. So almost everybody out there needs to get a handle on how they're spending their money. If you watch Home and Garden Television, HGTV, there is a show called Till Debt Do Us Part uh, with the host is Gail Vaz Oxlade. Her method is, you know, again, everybody has to do a budget in the beginning of the show so you know where your money is going and where the broad categories are. And she'll help those the people on the show identify where they're spending too much money, but you can easily do that yourself. Once you've done your theoretical and then your actual spending, you'll realize that you're far off on certain categories and you'll need to tighten your belt a bit. So then what she does, she does is she tells people to go out to the dollar store, buy some jars and a marker and some stickers. And we want to label those jars to all the different things that you need to spend money on. So the stuff like utilities and mortgage and rent and stuff, we don't need a jar for that because that money's going to come out of your account. We don't need to manage that. You're not going to spend too much on it. But everything else, groceries, you you figure out how much you want to spend every month and you literally withdraw the cash for the month and you put it into the grocery jar. Same with going out to eat and entertainment and coffee and gas and all that kind of stuff. Everything has its own little jar for the month. Once you run out of money for, let's say, entertainment for the month, maybe it's after one weekend, one really great night out with the guys or the girls, that's it. No more going out for the rest of the month because that jar is empty. And to take it from anywhere else would mean you're taking away your grocery money or you're taking away your gas money. And you really can't do that. You don't want to not be able to go to work in order to go out and have fun. Nobody would do that. So this gives you a visual way to track where your money is going into the different categories that you're spending. So I know this is the envelope method. I don't know why jars is I mean, Gail, what's whatever her name is, decided to go with jars. That doesn't it's make a TV, any sense to me because it's a TV show, man. Jars look better on TV. Envelopes like, are like where not you put transparent. These jars, like you can't really store them easily. Like you can put them on your kitchen table for everyone to see. Like that just doesn't make any sense. There is some impracticality with jars. If you want to do envelopes, you do envelopes. I'm like you gotta and, reach into that little hole with your hand and like take out cash and like let your <laughs> hand get stuck. I mean, that just sounds like a disaster. I will I will say that people do like this TV show and they do like the way this uh, the host talks to people about getting real with their money. In terms of actually doing it with jars or even with envelopes, I'm not that big of a fan. But it's out there. If you've watched the show and you like it, do it. Well, that's the thing, right? You're saying that this is practical. And, and I agree with the method. I think it's a strong method. And the reason it's strong is because cash is finite. And so when yeah. you run out of cash in that envelope or in that jar or whatever, right, then you've run out and there's no, there's no rationalizing that. Once you're done, you're done. 
Yeah, well, even before that, the good thing about cash is it does it doesn't just give you a signal when the money is gone. It's giving you signals the entire time that you're spending the money because you see your wallet or your purse getting thinner. You're reaching in at the cash register and you're like looking at it and it's like, wow, it's only Wednesday and I have a lot less in here than I started out with last Friday. It's a real visual reminder of where your money is going day in and day out every time you go to spend. And that's good. That's necessary. We need to put a little bit of pressure on ourselves in the beginning to change our habits. Now, if you don't like the jars and the envelopes, I got another one. How about this, Ahmed? Okay. Forget the categories. All right. We've done their budget in the beginning. Like I said, you have to, everybody has to do a budget once, but instead of, so after we've categorized our, you know, uh, housing and costs and your car and gas and all that kind of stuff, I just want to figure out of these different, you know, categories of spending. I just want to put them into two different boxes. Either you're spending, spending money on something that is emotional or something that's not emotional. That's it. So your housing spot expenses, your heat, your electricity, your water bill, um, the gas that you spend for your car, car payments, that kind of stuff, I'm going to call that unemotional. Why is it unemotional? Simply because people's overspending, again, if you're part of that group that has 70% of your money, go, or 70 or 80% of your money going to necessities, I'm sorry, but this method isn't for you. We got to figure out some bigger questions. But if you're not, if the majority of the money that's bleeding from your wallet every week is coming from, like most people, just regular mindless spending, then this is one way to track it. Because emotional spending is what occupies the majority of that mindless spending. In other words, if you had a really tough week at work and you wanted to de-stress and treat yourself, you're not going to treat yourself by paying extra rent, right? You're not going to treat yourself by paying more in car insurance. You're not going to treat yourself by, you know, going to premium gas instead of regular. Unless you're really sick. <laughs> Just really twisted. I can't, I can't imagine the kind of person that'd be like, hey, Mrs. Mrs. Landlord, here's extra money. I had a great week. No, it doesn't make sense. Although I've got to say, I've, I've done that before. N not, not, the, not the landlord, the rent part, but the, you know, putting in better gas in the car. <laughs> it just feels you're like you're being nicer to your car. Yeah, you're a car guy. I believe that. Um, but everything else, everything else falls under the emotional category. So your groceries, your going out to eat, your entertainment, um, everything else that you spend money on, shopping, clothes, gifts, that falls under the emotional spending category because that is the category. I mean, again, we only have two categories. Now, that's the category where the money bleeds easily. You have a good day. You have a rough day. You want to treat somebody. You want to buy a gift. It just comes out. Money gets spent and we mindlessly lose track of where money gets spent. So what I want you to do then is figure out how much do you want to budget for for this, you know, discretionary, emotional spending things on uh, on things that you want but also groceries includes in there how much of your monthly spending do you want to include in that emotional category so let's say you make five grand a month half of that is necessities let's say it's you know twenty five hundred dollars twenty percent goes to savings so that's a thousand dollars we're left with fifteen hundred fifteen hundred a month is your emotional spending that goes for everything so we take out about three hundred whatever it is per week if you get paid on Friday, then on Friday, you take out 300 bucks, let's say $330, whatever the math works out to you, and you keep that money in your wallet, in your purse. That's the money that's going to last you from Friday to Friday for everything. 
It's going to do your, I mean, gas doesn't have to be included in that because I'm not worried about that one, but it's going to be your groceries. It's going to be your going out. So if you get paid on Friday, you take that money out on Friday. If you have a weekend out and you're partying it up and comes Monday, you have no money left. Well, that's it. No money's left. You cannot spend any more money. You cannot go back to the bank. You cannot go to back and dip into your credit cards. When people do this method, week one is always an eye opener that people tend to realize, especially young people, that they spend too much money on the weekend. And Monday, Tuesday rolls around, they're running low on cash, they're not gonna be able to make groceries on Wednesday. And they gotta buy ramen, which may or may not be a punishment for you, depending on your opinion on ramen. (laughs) Love ramen. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) And then week two comes around and people really figure it out okay, it's the weekend that I get killed or it's grocery shopping on Friday night where I get killed where all my money goes away. And people get to really reorganize their spending habit again because it's cash. So rather than using jars and envelopes for a month, we use cash week by week. Every week is digestible. We can budget for a week. We can control stuff for a week. Uh, If you have gifts that you want to give to somebody at the end of the month or sometime in the month, we take a little bit of money, let's say $20 bill and put it away. When their birthday comes, you you take collect all that you know those dollar bills and you then go and buy them a gift. But all that stuff comes from cash. How do you think about that one? No, I definitely like the idea of uh, of splitting up emotional versus unemotional spending. And the reason I like that a lot is because it ties in very nicely to that rule of thumb that we talked about right. fifty thirty twenty. Because likely, all of that fifty percent or however larger number is on necessities is unemotional spending. Yeah. And that 30%, I'll bet you a big chunk of it is emotional. Absolutely. So it, it ties into that really nicely. And I think, Said, we can probably close with a, with a short discussion on on what to do with this information. Yes. You know, going back to that rule of thumb, if you find that you're well above 50% on necessities, and I mean like if you're in the 60 70% range, then that's very clearly your biggest problem. Yeah, sorry, just take one step before that. Next steps for everybody is to actually do two budgets. Do one based on what you think your money is being spent on. So if I asked you right now, so where do you spend your money? All the stuff that just comes to your head, write it down. And then go back a month, last month, and do it again, but with the real numbers. Then once you have that in the real numbers form, then we can break it down like Ahmed is saying to the 50, 30, 20. Yeah, and if if you're above 50% on your necessities, and if you're well above it, certainly... That's obviously your biggest problem. I would not worry so much about lattes and video games and whatever else because that's probably not going to move the needle much. You need to Mm -hmm. concentrate on reducing that number um, down to as close as possible to 50%. I mean, for some people, maybe 50% is not possible. That's for you to decide. It's not for me to tell you. And honestly, I think that people, if they have uh, that first ratio off where they're spending, you know, 60 plus percent on necessities, that's the toughest one to solve, man, because that's like housing and cars and stuff like that. That's very difficult. You have a difficult road ahead of you, but you can do it, and many people do. And it's not a short-term fix by any means because, again, it's it's housing, it's cars, it's these big things that, that aren't as simple as changing your habits because it's probably not habitual to begin with. Right. Right? But if you're spending more than 60%, 70% on those necessities, it's no wonder you're not getting traction. Right. And no amount of discipline like we've talked about discipline before, right? No amount of discipline is really going to solve the problem here. 
And by the same token, if you're supposed to be spending no more than 30%, again, assuming you're doing 50 on necessities, you, no more than 30% on discretionary stuff that you want, if you're spending instead the other 50% on the stuff that you like and that you want, and everybody has their reasons for it, right? Everybody will say, oh yeah, well, you know, I, I don't want to go on a vacation. You know, I had a really tough week. You know, I really deserve that. Um, and everybody will, have, everybody will have the reasons why they're spending more. But let's just get back to the, the real talk here. At the end of the day, we want to control our spending. We want to spend less than we are. We want to dedicate money towards those big rocks, those big life goals. So we got to be honest with ourselves. If we're doing above 30% to the stuff that we want, we need to spend some time focusing there and trying one of these budgeting methods for sure. Okay, perfect. So let's wrap up with some really quick action items just to recap. First of all, sit down and and actually write out where you think your money goes then look at last month's expenses and write down where your money actually went. Observe the difference because there's yes. some important lessons to be learned uh, in that gap between, you know, perception and reality. Yep. And then look at how you fare as, com- you know, as compared to the 50, 30, 20 rule where Absolutely. how much you're spending on necessities, how much is discretionary and how much is going towards saving and investing goals. Yes. And then ask yourself what changes need to be made to bring yourself in line or at least as close as possible to that rule of thumb. Yeah. And try out one of those budgeting methods. Whatever one, you know, feels better for you, if it's practical, that's sustainable, that you can do, grab hold of it by the horns and go with it. So that wasn't so bad. We didn't, we didn't, I mean, we agreed on most things, I think. Yeah, but you're such a bean counter. Like you, you, you didn't, you're in denial of your bean counterness. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. People think about budgeting. When we, I, I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain this is going to be one of our least listened to episodes. Oh, no one's listening. No one's listening anymore. I mean, if you made it this far, you're a bigger nerd than I am. <laughs> e- email us. The code word is red panda. Email us with red panda. I'd love to see how many people actually got this far. Okay, if you listen this far, team at riskwise.com, subject red panda, enough said. That's it. That's all I want from you. Just let me know. Let me know. I'd love right. to hear it. This will be a fun experiment. <laughs> all right, Saeed. Always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Until, Until next, next time. time. Inshallah. Take care. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.